What would you say you do here? It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Tuesday afternoon as we enter week number uh, week week whatever this is of quarantine. I can't really remember what, what how many weeks it's been. But, uh, you know, as they say, the content must continue. The Philadelphia Union content must continue, even though there is no Philadelphia Union taking place right now. But as such, we have uh, prepared a special crossover podcast for all the listeners out there. I am joined by the Sons of Ben guys, Matt, Adam, and Devin, for a special crossover episode. What's going on, gentlemen? How's it going there? <laughs> Adam and I are looking at each other like, who goes first? That no, was a very excited uh, reply there. Everybody seems very thrilled to be doing this right now. No, it is. I'm usually I am a uh, bona fide follower. So if Matt doesn't speak, I'm just waiting and be like, "Are we are we good? Are, are you okay, leader? <laughs> right, what, what's up?" What's and up? I thought he was ready to jump right in with both feet. And I go, "Oh, I guess it's my turn." But apparently, we're all doing well, pretty well during quarantine number uh, 360 days or whatever this is. That's right. It I, feels like week number 75, even though I think it's only week number five, if I have that right. I don't even know what day it is, let alone how many days we've been in quarantine. I know. I just change out of my uh, the sweatpants that I sleep in to the sweatpants that I wear all day. It's just sort of shuffling uh, back and forth at that. Oh, the formal sweatpants. Have come the formal okay, sweatpants cool. to the informal sweatpants. But listen, we have uh, breaking news, which uh, actually it's not really much of breaking news at all, but I'm going to read it anyway. We have an MLS <laughs> statement. Uh, on the return to play, uh, April 14th, 2020, from New York City. Major League Soccer continues to regularly evaluate the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, including how it will affect our plans for the 2020 season. Although we hope to return to play in mid-May, uh, that is extremely unlikely based on the guidance of federal and local public health authorities. Our goal remains to play as many games as possible. And while we currently have enough dates to play the entire season, we recognize that this time it may become difficult to do so. Uh, we continue to learn more every day from the medical experts, blah, blah, blah. We expect to have additional details and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I, I, my, my take is this. I, th- I think mid-May was probably always kind of a, a hopeful uh, date. Uh, I'm not surprised that they pushed it back indefinitely. Um, but, uh, Matt, I'll throw it to you. Does any of this uh, surprise you, or do you have a reaction one way or another to, uh, to the statement? No, uh, one, it doesn't surprise me. I thought them giving May 10th as a return date way back when was was a best case scenario and then after we talked to uh jim uh curtain he said if it was may 10th that meant they were going to be able to start training to get two and a half three weeks to get everybody back up and running so i'm going ah you're thinking memorial day for the first game so i'm still on that like okay maybe they're going to announce they can start training around memorial day and figure this out so i'm not surprised i'm just happy that they haven't given that knee-jerk reaction like other leagues like, oh, we think we're going to cancel everything. I mean, I think the way this is going, you need to plan two weeks in advance for everything, for for work, for, you know, you just don't know what's going on with this. So, uh, you know, that that was not a huge statement. The, the bigger statement I saw, and I don't know if you saw this, Kevin, was Don Garber was on ESPN FC and said that they're considering mm-hmm. a, uh, a tournament format or like um, – neutral yeah, sites yeah. and playing without fans that kind of affects my life more than them pushing the state back to you know past april 24th past may 10th whatever they're pushing it back adam what do you think man well you know i mean i just want to go back to the first the first tweet we got or the first image we got from mls that said uh or at least the union said 
it was April 11th was the first time they, they had a conversation about this. And I even thought that was the laugh, most laughable thing back then. And now that we're pushing to May, I'm like, there's no way this is happening in May either. It's just, you got, I mean, look, this league depends on the gate. You know, this league depends on butts in the seats more than it depends on television views. So they, ha- if they want to, you know, be viable, they have to make this season work and they have to make the season work the best way they can. It's just, you got, I feel like they're, they're I think the NBA is almost kind of doing this the way that I would want to, where they haven't really canceled anything, but they're also just like, we're waiting and we're not going to say really anything until we're any much short. Because then once you start putting dates out there, once you start putting time frames on there, people are just like, well, you know, where are you? You yeah. told us we'd be here by now. What's going on? You know, at this point, none of us know anything. So I think putting out dates and stuff like that, it's not irresponsible. It's just wishful thinking. Yeah, that's why it's tough for me when I hear guys like Kirk Herbstreit come out and say, well, there's not going to be a college football season. We're probably not going to have a college football season. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, nobody really knows if we're being honest. You know, you could be the top medical expert. You could be the governor. You could be whatever. We're all trying to ride this out and kind of see what happens on a week-to-week basis. So um, I, I understand that, like, people want to like, – like, I get kind of the strategy of you, you want people to take it seriously, and so you want to have the requisite sternness with the way that you talk about these things because if people don't take it seriously, then we end up just prolonging this thing. But I also think that you're dealing with, like – uh, you know, the collective like mental health of the country as we're all looking forward to sports coming back. And, you know, we're looking forward to soccer and basketball and the NHL and, and whatnot. And you got to think about that when you say things like that, because you got a bunch of people who are cooped up in their house who are probably like annoyed and depressed or whatever. And when people come out and say, well, we're definitely not going to do this for forever. I don't, I don't think that helps either. So isn't it kind of like trying to like find the, find the line and I mean, walk Yeah. In? Like I, I think Herb Street's yeah. comments were probably just as reckless as people underestimating this like he's just giving you doom and gloom and you're like you you don't know this why are you throwing out this opinion that oh if i was in charge of the ncaa or the nfl i would cancel the league and then what everything goes away and then you cancel the league like you want to give people something to look forward to besides season three of tiger king you know it's uh just just so him spouting off his opinion and then people thinking it's fact like he knows something is probably just as irresponsible as these, you know, the spring breakers down in Clearwater Beach partying a month ago like knuckleheads. So I just wish everyone would go, hey, we don't know. We're hoping it comes back. And here's the plan for if it does or doesn't. But there's just way too much speculation from people that don't know anything that claim to be authorities. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's it's there's the, the amount of people saying, ah, yeah, well, we're not going to have sports for a calendar year, or the amount of people saying, no, we'll be fine by summer. It's just neither of these things are helpful. Neither of these things are accurate either. You know, neither of these things are, they're just speculations. And depending on, you know, and a lot of them go by people's biases on the situation, you know, what they feel about the situation. It, it, they feel very optimistic. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine by summer. And if they feel not, they're like, well, we won't be playing until 2021. And either of these people like what what is the information you have for that and they like oh just a gut feeling you know yeah like just like a food for thought kind of thing like from a fan perspective in the areas where like coronavirus has hit like very hard you know you like new york city and obviously philly's been been dealing with it too um how much does sports kind of like take a back seat especially when like we're talking about like losing people that are close to us and and losing people that we know and 
and and just dealing with all of that on a personal level, I think as time goes on, as we get far, like when when we were at the very first day when they first can't started canceling everything, it was like that shock effect of like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? Now we're months into it, and it's going to be more months into it. How much does sports like kind of start not seeming as not that it's not as important, but on a personal level, it's almost something that we're not worrying about as much as some other things right now. So I will say as far as like canceling seasons goes and stuff, if they would have come out the first day that and said like, we're canceling it, we're not even postponing it. It would have been like this whole shock and all kind of thing. But now we start getting into like, we're months away from when that happened. You know, canceling a season seems a little bit more feasible now than it did before. I will say, I, I've actually got to the point now, I don't even really notice. Like, I mean, I notice sports are not there, but it's been so many days consecutively that, like, I don't anticipate. Like, I'm, I'm used to, in my mind, anticipating 7 o'clock something might be happening. You know, where it's either the Flyers, yeah. the Sixers, someone's going to be doing a thing. Especially now that summer is upon us. Like, you expect every Wednesday at 7 p.m. the Phillies will be playing baseball. No matter what's going on in the yeah, universe, yeah. that's a very consistent thing. And now we're a month since the last Sixers game, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, the Sixers, right. We were, there was a playoff run. There was a thing there. People were doing things. like, And then it just kind of faded, and like for obvious reasons. But it's just like for something that was so much a part of my like day-to-day and so much a part of like what my, my routine was, it is so weird how it just faded, and I've just kind of adapted. See, it's to that, weird you, know? you say that because I'm still struggling with, um, you know, you get up, turn on the laptop, you, you're checking emails, you're doing some work, and then you get in that little social sur- web surfing that you do. So I'm always, oh, Philly.com. Let me check out what's going on, Philly. Look at the sports section, and then not to plug Kevin because you know I didn't want to do that, but then it's like crossing broad. And then I'm going to check on Brotherly Game and then ESPN and CBS Sports. And normally that would take up my day of in between doing work, checking out the articles, see what's going on. Now I'm able to do Philly.com Sports, Crossing Broad, Brotherly Game, ESPN, CBS in about three minutes because there's nothing out there to do. And it still freaks me out. My my fingers are (laughs) paused on my laptop going, did I check CBS? Oh, yeah, I already read that. There's nothing going on. And it still freaks me out every day that... I can't find normal content that when I go on CNN, I'm going, I don't even want to read this garbage. So that still affect me that I'm still searching for information on day-to-day sports, but it isn't there. And we've been like bending over backwards, just trying to fill the website with stuff that's, that's readable. You know, we all have like the same stories too. Like even like a morsel of information that comes from the NFL, like uh Shady McCoy went on this podcast and said that he's interested in maybe coming back to the Eagles. Everybody will have that up within like five minutes because there's nothing else going on. You know, it's just and the strange thing, too, and the weird thing, it's kind of depressing. I mean, the crossing broad, like obviously we write about the media, but, you know, we've it's been like this company's laying this person off. This company's doing furloughs. This person's, you know, reducing this person's hours. ESPN is asking Stephen A. Smith, who makes eight million dollars to take a pay cut, you know, Mike Greenberg to take a pay cut and stuff like that. It's like depressing you know and then you have like beasley and intercom and all this stuff like that and i feel like uh i don't know it just gets kind of like deep and dark oh yeah yeah you're searching for stuff and then you're finding out oh trey thomas got laid off and 
you know, well, I don't feel terrible because yeah, I don't want to write about like this guy got yeah, fired yeah, and that and guy. And you don't got feel terrible because I'm sure you know, Trey's like okay. He's, he's got some money. He played pro sports for a ton of years, but you don't want to hear about yeah, it. Then you think yeah, about the right. other people there, like, hey, is that in not intern, but you know the 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 junior producer who's probably making fifteen dollars an hour? Is he getting laid off? So. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely still affects the everyday life. And that's maybe where the depression for me seeps in a little bit, where you start thinking about the long-term ramifications of that and the, you know, to quote my Reaganomics, my trickle-down theory of like, hey, if this guy gets laid off, then does that affect who, what, when, and where? And that's where it goes into this deep hole. And you're like, oh, God, I hope sports comes back soon so I can stop thinking about this deep stuff. Yeah, right. Um, you know, it's interesting because um, here, here's kind of like, so I have like two topics I'm going to try to combine here. I have this like weird fear and you guys tell me if this is like rational or not, if this is reasonable or not. But here's here's like a situation that I foresee. Let's pick like an arbitrary date, right? Because we're not at, 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 at instead of just speculating, let's just do like a theoretical here. Like, let's say like, um, you know, like September 15th, we'll pick like mid-September, we're ready to go, like we can do this in empty stadiums, right? They figured out a way to make it safe for the players, but we're not going to be there. Um, NBA comes back at the same time, NHL comes back at the same time, NFL is starting, MLS comes back, you got college football. Um, You're going to be so saturated with stuff that's all playing at the same time because we finally got the all clear did like is is the union going to be buried again? You know, we're coming out of a season, the best season that the union have ever had. There was some great momentum going into the season opener after the three three draw with LA. You know, people were psyched for the season. I mean, are we going to be in a situation where again it's just like you're scraping for for scraps at the bottom of the barrel with all the other major sports starting up at the same time? Probably, unless the Flyers, Phillies, Sixers, and Eagles all shit the bed. And then all of a sudden the union, if they are playing well, then it might shift. But what are the, that's, you know, I could buy a Powerball ticket and have the same kind of odds. So yeah, there, there's a good chance that if everything comes back all at once, that, you know, the, the natural order of uh, evolution in Philadelphia sports goes Eagles, Sixers, Phillies Flyers or Flyers Phillies, depending on the season, then union. That's way down there, yeah. And, and you really got to... I mean, this is fundamentally why MLS plays in summer, right? You know, they yeah. when you play in summer in American sports, you're only going up against baseball. And the gift and the curse of baseball is you don't have to pay attention for 80% of the season. You know, mm-hmm. like you can go to ball games all the way in April, all the way through July, and a good chunk of those games will not truly matter on the grand scheme where most MLS games, each of these contests have at least some, you know, merit to it. So you can fill up that void of the lull in sports with the excitement of that kind of almost NFL style once a week with MLS. But if you're putting up that up against not just the pro sports, college basketball, college football, you know, we're talking about the, and also you have, you're going up against the international leagues too. Like you have the EPL and all yeah. those leagues going yeah. on the exact same time getting started when you're trying to get started. I mean, it's reasonable to believe when you're, there's eight leagues that would be ahead of MLS for viewing purposes in America, yeah. like all, all off the bat. And that's, that would be a huge problem. But I do believe, and I truly do believe this, that it wouldn't be 
as tragic as it's been in other years, because I do believe in the last year or two that the union have gotten at least a small foothold in the sports conversation here in Philadelphia. I've been talking to people who have been forever Sixers and Phillies and Eagle lifers who were like, just that's their only thing. And like, we're getting them to at least look at the team. Like we almost got E-Rock. He was supposed to come out to a, a, a union game and be on the capo stand with me on the 22nd against mm. DC before that got canceled. You know, I got many of my friends from the Sixers side who were like almost the entire Mike Scott hive were like, yeah, we got to do a, uh, a union tailgate that makes total sense to us. So we have, so like, and especially as you said, after that LA game, the, the Gleason's goal and all that, that caused such a stir in not even just casuals, but people who were never even considering soccer in the region to be yeah. like, hmm, this is a thing I could look at. So I think it won't be as bad as, like, say, like 2014 when it was just the dark ages. Now I'm getting depressed. Thanks, Adam. I think, yeah. Well, we still made an Open Cup final that year, I think. So, The funny thing is, is like, I wonder, too, if people are going to be like, because we're going months and months without sport, that they'll just consume anything that's on TV. Like, I could sit there and see myself watching the Flyers, the Phillies, the Union, and then, like, the uh you know another game like i could watch four games in a row probably i mean you're probably not going to have oversaturation because people are des- desperate for it you know it just it just it sucks because i'm sitting here thinking like god they, the union finally like you said adam got that foothold and like you know it felt like there was a little bit of momentum there and i would just hate to see it like kind of you know fall off because of that after you know I mean? after as much um, bravo has been on my tv during this coronavirus that once this is over, it's going to be sports on every TV for as long as it, it can physically happen. If these leagues are smart, they will stagnate these games in a way yeah, where they're, they're not overlapping. They're not smart. They're greedy. Because they're I not going like, to do that. They're not. They're not. They are. But it's just like but like the MLS is like the, the greatest tragedy of that LAFC union game was it was on at 10 o'clock at night. On like, a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, on a yeah, Sunday. Yeah. 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 Like that, even LA people are like, I got shit to do tomorrow. I don't really need to be going to a seven thirty kickoff, even at home. You know, that's that game. If you put that game at four o'clock, that makes international rounds oh, yeah. as a game. You know, that that gets so what many gets more eyes is, on it. I, I'm so curious, like, if the, what league is gonna have the most risk reward and go? We want to be the first one back because the first one's gonna win. Like, is there a league out there? MMA. You know, like I thought it was going to be the XFL, but well, Dana Dana White tried to do it. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. tried to do it because they were doing. You know, it's funny because like this morning uh, I did the story for Crossing Broad about how WWE was deemed an essential business in Florida, so that they could get the so they could do the um, use their private facility in Orlando, and we just watched WrestleMania from a private from that facility like a couple of weeks ago, right? So Dana yeah. Dana White has the same kind of facility in Las Vegas. They just couldn't get clearance from the Nevada State Athletic. Well, Commission I thought it was pressure. It, I thought it was pressure from ESPN. Well, that well, these are actually two separate things because originally they were going to do the thing at right. the Apex facility, and then separately he was going to do the thing at the Native American Reservation in California, and, that, and then ESPN put the kibosh on that. So they were actually two different situations. But it's interesting kind of like how, you, again, you're trying to walk this line here where they understand, like, hey, if we can get something on TV or get something going, 
um, you know, this helps fans who are looking forward to something. And I think Dana White was working out of the Roger Goodell playbook where they were saying, look, if we can do the NFL draft, hey, this is something for people to watch and something for people to look forward to. Plus, they're not going outside and spreading germs if they're sitting on their butt watching three days of the draft. Right. You know, so I think they thought, like, if we can do this in a safe and responsible way, we want to do it. But, yeah, then you cross a very thin line where if you go overboard, you know, what if one of those UFC fighters and I was like supportive of the idea of trying to make it happen if they could. But what if one of the UFC fighters goes to the Native American reservation? There's no problems, but then he breaks his arm and you got to send him to the hospital to fix his broken arm. How can you justify sending him to the hospital for a broken arm when you could use every single resource as possible for for coronavirus patients? You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of stuff that's hard to hard to reconcile for me. Yeah, there's there's so many what ifs. Um and 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 doomsday scenarios but you you know somewhere out there there is a league that's like what what can we do to get back first i mean you got a whole country out there has got a league that's uh going going crazy right now and that that president just says drink vodka be all right. so would you watch uh belarusian soccer or uh what's the other league Tajikistan? would you watch the tajikistan soccer league how desperate would you have to be to watch uh belarus or tajikistan soccer i'd have to friggin stumble desperate. on it friggin and i'll be honest <laughs> if i stumbled on it it would probably stay on my tv but i wouldn't seek it out like it wouldn't be must see like let me set the dvr because i gotta be home at you know six forty-five in the morning to watch the belarusian uh team play against god knows whatever yeah, I need to see Dy- Dynamo Minsk defend their title here. They're 40 points clear of everybody Did else. Did Alcino play for them? Look, I... <laughs> <laughs> Probably at some point. Um, Look, I got the Overwatch League on in the background some of these days. I'm not going to lie. I've gotten to the eSports, and I've gone, I've gone like both feet in in terms of that. I have not watched the pros like the espn uh 2k league with like trey young and all those guys yeah. doing that because that to me is just like no i'm okay with that i don't <laughs> i don't need to see kevin durant play video games. i did I'll see okay one thing that. i think but it was on like, Comcast sportsnet the sixers were playing and whoever was controlling yeah. the sixers had ben simmons shooting an elbow jumper and then i go oh this isn't real yeah <laughs> i think it was matisse <laughs> he clanked it by the way i think it was matisse well, they oh, were complaining because somebody from another team was complaining that they weren't using the uh, – or the Sixers were complaining that somebody from the other team wasn't using them correctly. They were trying to run, like, pick and roll instead of playing, like, their motion <laughs> offense or whatever the hell they're trying to do. So that I thought was interesting. So let me – let me um, like, so we, so, like, we picked that, like, arbitrary date. Let's just stick with a theoretical, like, September 15th, right? Okay, yeah. so you guys are in the river end. There's flags, TIFO, capos, tailgates, road trips for away games and stuff like that. If they if they got to a situation where they were like, look, we, we found a solution where we can play these games. We can have a shortened season. Let's pick another arbitrary number. We can play like an 18-game season, but we're not going to have fans there. I mean, the Sons of Ben having the River End empty, I mean, would you would you be – I guess it's not much of a choice, but would you pick soccer in an empty stadium over no soccer at all? Wow. I haven't even gone down that dark, uh, dark path just yet. I mean, I guess you pick soccer overall just because you want to see the game still grow. You want to see the team do well. You want to see them generate any kind of revenue to keep those guys employed. But um, you're hoping that's not the case because it's a better product life. It's a better environment when the river ends packed. You know, we, we we were prepared and ready to go full force for the home opener. Uh, we've got one or two TIFOs already done. 
we've got everything ready and cleaned in the lot that we literally just have to pull out the picnic tables. So, God, I hope not because we're we're ready to go, and I'm pretty much done doing every, everything virtually now. But, you know, I guess some soccer is better than no soccer. So I guess that's what we would have to do. I just had to figure out what we do would do to support it. I mean, does that mean we can't be in the stadium? Could we be in the lot? tailgating before could we just be doing viewing parties around bars i mean it's just i don't know what the brave new world would look like it's it i mean look as a as a capo i was when this started i was super concerned because of just the way my job is done just the way that the river end is done you know if there's an infectious disease and one person in the river end has it we all get it in like two and a half seconds. It's so that to me was always kind of just a weird kind of dynamic with this going on. So it's like that I've made peace with the idea that it's going to be a while before I stand in that area in that stadium, because it just for the facts that like, you know, until we have like a vaccine, really, I don't know how they're going to put us in that stadium. You know, it just, it just feels so awkward as of a concept to me, but yeah, I'd pick, I'd pick, no soccer. I mean, I pick soccer over no soccer 99% of the time only and mainly because of what Matt said, I want to make sure this league survives, you know, I want to make sure that they keep going on and like if they still can produce a product that we can at least put on some televisions, that'll at least keep it going as opposed to just kind of, you know, you can fold the NBA for a season and they'll be back. You know, you can fold the NHL and they'll take a hit, but they'll be back. You fold MLS for a season or two? Mm. Well, this like is a, when this weird. is when, you know, it's funny because of the pro rel people. Um, you know, we always say, well, you have a closed system, revenue sharing, you know, yeah. centralized league here. I mean, this is the kind of thing where that helps out. You know, because if Jay Sugarman was trying to prop up the Philadelphia Union on his own during a crisis when there's no gate, there's no revenue, there's no nothing coming in. Uh, you know, you have to lean back on the league and some of the the NFL owners to, to prop it up or whatever. You know, I think that's why you see, um, you know, some of the situations in some of the other leagues where they're like, well, do we just crown a champion now and just uh, the, say we're not doing relegation, we're not doing promotion right now? Um, that's one of the positives, I guess, you could point to is the fact that, look, okay, we have revenue sharing and this is all we're all the, – the teams are all in the same boat here and so we can kind of prop everybody else up, but – you know, I don't know. Again, that gets into like a, the weeds of like individual teams and their financial strength and stuff like that. But yeah, like you're right, Adam. It's not. It's not like you know the NFL is going to be fine missing a season or whatever. I mean, like you look at what happened to the XFL. You know, you look at like um, you know what other what might happen to like smaller MMA promotions. Like what's Bellator doing? You know, like it's it's like stuff to to think about. What is the NWSL going to do? You know, that's yeah. a, that's something I'm worried and, about. And I, I think it like wraps up into like my kind of biggest question is. What does this look like in the future? Even after eight months from now, let's say, we're we're starting to get back to normal. Next season, do teams not invest as much because they're afraid of it coming back in a second wave? Are we does it change the entire way we look at sports in the future because at any moment they could just be cancelled and you know, do teams do we not even start getting even close to record feeds anymore because teams don't want to invest that much how does it affect the transfer market like uh, on a on a huge scale i think this has the potential to change the entire way that we look on at sports for for the future 
because I think it's something financially that teams are going to look at and now be worried about because before before this happened, I don't think we nobody could have ever ever thought of a, a world without sports, you know. So I think it adds a whole nother layer of in into the fold for every sport. All right, one, uh, we're coming up on uh, the halfway mark here where I'm going to flip it over to you guys, but I got one more topic that I want to get in here. Uh, This is something that I found very fascinating uh, from the other day, and it's the Grant Wall uh, versus Sports Illustrated versus the Maven story. And uh, just to set the scene real quickly so people know what we're talking about, Sports Illustrated was sold um, a while back uh, to this another company that licensed the uh, publishing uh, rights to a group called the Maven. Uh, which is basically just like a company that comes in and they strip down the staff. They lay off a bunch of people. They want to turn it into a click farm. They're not really interested in journalism. They're not interested in content. They just want to make money, which is weird to me because there's not really a lot of money in sports writing anyway. So I'm not sure why they would invest in that. But um, Grant Wall, soccer writer for Sports Illustrated, survived the first couple rounds of cuts. And then he was fired on friday he had some social media posts some instagram posts where he was complaining about the the maven people and saying that they don't you know they're just making cuts and blah 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 and they're using the pandemic as an excuse to fire all these people and he's not wrong you know um but you know as such they fired him and then they got into this ugly back and forth where they leaked a memo that was sent out to the staff saying that he refused to take a pay cut he said that he would take a pay cut they said he made three hundred fifty thousand dollars which is crazy he said well part of that was a bonus um so i don't know there's a million different ways you could go uh, on this i think you know obviously the athletic or espn or somebody should scoop him up pretty quickly because he's a good writer he knows what he's doing obviously um but i think some of the criticism too was that they were saying look if you make this much money to uh, you know, to write about soccer, then you should have been willing to, I don't know, to take a cut to help facilitate, help other people out in a time when other people are struggling. I don't know how much justification there is to that because I don't think you really tell other people what to do with their money. But uh, I don't know your guys' take on that. Well, I mean, me, me personally as a person, I mean, like I used, I was a writer for five years, covered, I mean, I was mainly college basketball and uh, local stuff, but like, as a person who was in the sports media for that long, these publishers will try to take advantage of you any way they can, especially now, because as you said, there is not that much money in sports journalism, but there's a lot of people who crave it in a capacity. So you have a lot of these companies just trying to figure out, okay, what is the way to generate our revenue? And in the process, we've lost so many great, you know, wordsmith of the of the genre. You know, it's it's the fact that I can't see as much content from Wright Thompson as I used to because of just kind of how the contracts work and all this stuff. It just shows that we're moving towards a place that I feared when I started in the industry and right before I got out of it. And it's very sad and it's very disappointing. And Grant Wall is an interesting human because he's very he's he has his own Uh, idiosyncrasies that you can like him or you don't like him for the way that he attacks a multitude of different issues but i'm 1000 percent inclined to believe every word he says just based off of how these industries work how the industry works now yeah yeah. and it just seems so petty on maven's part to just be like this is how much you were making you weren't even making you weren't even writing that much yeah it's a ridiculous memo yeah yeah it just it I, i was just thinking like decorum 
in 2020 <laughs> is at an all-time low because like if we're if you're a, a publicly a public company that is out here just straight up like not even like facading it and just like like giving a puff piece on why you fired the person but just straight up like shit talking him <laughs> while you fired him i'm just like where are we what I, are we doing i know it was like some high school drama or something like that it was crazy it, it was to see so that. beneath what you would assume whoever is supposed to represent sports well, illustrated you, i think do, you're gonna you know? see two types of people out of this whole pandemic you're gonna see the people that are the toilet paper hoarders you know that are that are gonna try to make some money and, and get ahead themselves in this. And then you're going to see the people that are handing their neighbors toilet paper or hand sanitizer or having a business that, you know, they're not going to make money off of redoing their equipment to make hand sanitizer to get it to the hospitals. So you're going to see two types of humanity there. And and the whole Grant Wall thing, it's funny because there's a reason they paid him $350,000 a year because he was worth that to their business. But they want to take this opportunity to get a deal on that by threatening to, you know, well, we'll eliminate your job or why can't you be a team player? And if that's the organization, I'm sure Grant Wall's like, you know what, let me see what you're doing first before I give up any of my salary. Like, are the chief executives giving up money? Are you guys cutting back on this to make sure lower level? What are you doing? So I think. And you already fired half your staff, even not in a exactly. pandemic. Exactly. So you know? it's like, I, if I was him, I'd be like, no, you're not touching my money until I see what you're doing as a sacrifice. <laughs> you know, what, what What are you doing as an organization? So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think uh, <laughs> that's that's them just being greedy and taking advantage of a, of a, a situation that you shouldn't be taking advantage of. Well, part of it, too, is funny because, like, you look at Grant Wall as, like, kind of like the de facto number one national soccer guy in the country, right? You know, and so then part of you says, oh, well, if he's not safe, then shit, I guess nobody's safe, you know? But, you know, it's the uniqueness of the situation. I think that's just a sobering kind of thing where you're like, wow, if he can get axed, then what does that mean for everybody else? But, um, yeah, it's just a strange uh, situation. I, I think the pattern that we're seeing with a lot of the layoffs and the media cuts and stuff, and I've done a lot of writing about it, is that... You know, like long gone, I think, are those people who are in the middle. Uh, you know, you're going to see people at the top, like your Angelo Cataldi's and your Mike Missinelli's and your Jim Gardner's and stuff like that. And they're, you know, the big money makers who are also revenue generators, right? And then, you you know, you could cut like 10 producers who make $50,000 a year, but that doesn't really do anything for you. You don't really save a lot of money. So you see the people that they're targeting are like these people who are making $200,000, $250,000, 300000 You know, I think you're going to see in the future, uh, you know, Devin was talking about like, what does the future of sports and all this stuff look like? I think you're going to see a lot of well-paid people at the top in media. And then you're going to see this massive gap. And then it's going to be like people like uh, me writing for Crossing Broad, you know, like doing, you know, just blogging and doing stuff like that. I think that middle, that middle ground is probably, probably donezo, you know? Oh yeah, probably. Um, yeah, no. And then, and then, what I want to see is, I hope everyone as a whole judges these organizations when this is all over. Does it return to normal, or do they try to stay lean and mean like this? And then, yeah, did they rehire? Like, how much of this was people who were already yep. targeted? You know, how much of it is just using coronavirus as an excuse to make cuts that you were already going to make? Buy out that guy who was protected by the union who had been there for like thirty-seven years or whatever. You know. Interesting uh, world, and we could probably go on and on uh, on that topic, but we're about 35 minutes in, and so we're going to continue uh, with part two of the podcast, and I will turn it over to you guys for the topics.